Just press say hello. Oh, hello. <laughs> Welcome to the Circle of Dads, the space for sharing stories about the struggles and triumphs of fatherhood and learning to become better men. Welcome to the Circle of Dads podcast. I'm Ryan. I'm your host. And on this next episode, I interview two women that I really respect and love, Joy and Claire from the Girls Gone Wad podcast. You know, I met Joy and Claire in Costa Rica. I think it was two years ago. We we went to a um, like a group excursion organized through under 30 experiences and uh, through their podcast within their community. My wife wanted to go and I, I said, yeah, that's awesome. Can guys go? She said, yeah. So I went and it was 22 women and me for a week. And it was, it was fun. And I got to know both these girls, ladies, women, and, um, and really just, really just enjoyed them. And I, I listened to their show and I love what they got to talk about. And, you know, some of the stuff doesn't apply to me, but I mean, most of it doesn't apply to me, but it's I, I can still appreciate from where they're coming from and how they show up for each other, how they show up for themselves, how they show up their, for their community, and how they don't apologize for being who they are, and there's no need to. Um, I really hope that you get something out of this podcast and get something out of this episode. They, they so graciously uh, agreed to come on, and I, I'm, I'm grateful. So tune in. So thank you so much, y'all, for coming on the show. I appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, we're so excited. How are you? Things are really good. Things are going really good. The podcast is great. I mean, aside from like the winter solstice, it's not my favorite time of year, but it's fine. It's fine. We can get through it. What's it? What What about it that bothers you? Um, I tend to get seasonal affective disorder, so I um just get real moody and sad, like sad. <laughs> Um, so I have to just stay on top of it. I don't love the, the short days. I grew up in Arizona. I'm a sunshine girl. So this super, super affects my mood. I just have to be careful. Do people ever tell you just think happy thoughts? Just be happy. Choose happy. Um, no, mostly because I don't ask for advice around that stuff. <laughs> um, <laughs> and and I think like my inner circle knows that I'm just going to be like, I got to, I got to get through it. Like I can think happy thoughts, but it's so beyond that. It's so just like, I got to, like I was telling Clara this the other day where I was like, I get I'm like a minute away from a panic attack this time of year, just because I get like super anxious just and one, sad. Just one broken shoestring away from just losing your shit. Exactly. Exactly. That's, I can relate to that. Do you, do you, like, have you, do you have depression or is it just the, is it just this time of year? Have you ever struggled with depression? I have. I have struggled with depression and anxiety, which a lot of together, they can kind of just interchange and anxiety can look like depression. Depression can look like anxiety. Um, but the interesting part of that is I didn't really, I don't think I realized it until I was in my thirties which is funny because I'm trained in psychology. And so a lot of people, I think, assume that when you're trained as a psychologist that you should know what's going on yeah. with yourself. But that's so far from the truth. You can lead people, but you can't diagnose yourself. So um, 
that's something that was really kind of uh, eye-opening for me because it it um, led me to some really good uh, medication paths and um, treatment paths, which, you know, when you start treating yourself for something that's a true clinical diagnosis, you're like, wow, I actually feel better. Um, like when they say the veil lifts, it truly lifts. And that's something I didn't really understand, uh, or think that that was actually a real feeling. And then when, of course you have that experience, you're like, wow, that's really cool. And because I treat patients, I'm like, now I understand the feeling. It's really kind of nice to know, to kind of have that perspective, but it's a journey and it's different for everybody. Everyone's going to have a different type of, um, experience with it, but yeah, it's been I feel like I wish I, I think a lot of people can relate to this when they, when I say that I wish I didn't wait as long to reach out and get like professional help, especially on the medication side. Yeah, I can relate with that a lot. I mean, I, you know, I had a TBI when I was uh, six, so um, I had a pretty- At six? Yeah, it crushed, um, I had an enclosed head injury and it crushed all the bones in my left ear. That's why I'm deaf in one ear. Oh my God. Yeah, I was, uh, we were out with the YMCA- and there was this, uh, there's this big slide and as a mom, this is probably gonna be kind of hard to listen to, but like there's this big slide and all the kids played on it. Right. And, um, I remember like being on the very top outside of the guardrail. Cause it was probably 20 foot in the air. Cause it was three levels and I was just kind of scaling along. And I just remember this kid running up and pushing me off. And then I fell down and my waist up landed on the sand. My waist down landed on the on the concrete and I had an enclosed head injury and then it crushed all those bones. And it just, I mean, it just, it jacked me up. And all I remember is sitting there Indian style. Now this is 1986 and we're surrounded by 16 year old counselors, right? So these poor bastards, you know, they just put me in the van and drive me. We're two minutes from the hospital. They drive me 15 minutes, the other direction back to the Y and call my mom. And so I had to be, um, I had to be resuscitated back at the, Whenever we got to the hospital, it's a pretty big deal. So they said, you know, whenever he gets into puberty, it's going to be interesting. There's going to be some, um, there might be some manic issues and things like that and, and developmental issues. And, and they were right, you know, I mean, it, uh, as I, as I got into my, my teens, what happened was, you know, then I started, I found in drugs and alcohol and I was able to mm -hmm. get, to get out of that, you know, and like yeah. find like, Oh, I don't have to feel this way anymore. Yeah. Well then they what were you feeling in your teenagers? Like, what was it that you were trying to escape from? Oh, I just wanted to be anybody but me. Okay. I just, just, like, yeah. Like uncomfortable in your skin, my own skin, my family anywhere, mm -hmm. you know, I just, mm -hmm. um, I wanted to be anyone and anywhere but me. Yeah. And that was, uh, you know, but after later on in life, you know, you talk about finding different paths and different therapies, you know, um, um, after finding EMDR therapy, when, you know, four years ago and working through some childhood trauma stuff, some sexual trauma. Wow, that's so sexual trauma, too. Oh, yeah. So. Oh, Ryan. And it's so just like EMDR four years ago for all of that is that's that's a long time of living with all of that so but what it what it did was i didn't even know what i was what i was living with mm -hmm. and so many i think so many men just you know we're told just take a knee like drink water or just push that shit down and don't worry about that 
And that's, I mean, that's, that. it just, when you don't even know how to trust how you feel or you don't even know how to trust your reality, it really kind of fucks everything up, you know, your, your whole guidance system. And that's, um, I dealt with that for a long time, you know, and, and in my teens and early twenties, they just threw different antidepressants at it. Well, when you mix those with booze and drugs, it kind of has interesting effects. Mm-hmm. Now it's just, uh, just all raw, unfiltered. Yeah. Just yeah. All, all raw, all unfiltered, just the, fr- close like to the processing. Service. Yeah. That's good though. That's good that you can talk about it. Um, I mean, my, I imagine it's ongoing, but, um, you know, the more you can get help and support, I think is really important. I think, I think what you said too, about like, you know, for a lot of men that you're just told like, Oh, it's just, you know, think happy thoughts, drink some water, get over it. And you're like, well, okay, I guess these feelings that I have are completely just something to ignore, something to not even acknowledge, not worth it. You know, like just, Oh, just sweep it under the rug. Just put it in your mind device and crush it. <laughs> and it's, you're like, I, my entire life revolves around these feelings and you're telling me that they are so insignificant. I should just be able to like smile them away. Yeah. And I'm not that guy. Like everybody has told me my whole life, like, you're just so, uh, you're intense and you got a chip on your shoulder. And I'm like, I'm trying to be happy fucker. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't like it oh when, you know, when people tell me that I was in the, I walked in the bathroom the other day and it was in a public restroom. It was at Sprouts. I'm washing my hands and I look up and there's a sign that says, choose happiness. And um, somebody beat me to it. But underneath it, it said, fuck off. Someone had written it in pen. So I guess they could relate, you know, because if I could choose it, I'd have chosen it. It, You know, it would have done. It would have happened a long time ago. I get. Yeah, I get motivational quotes. Um, I get that. I get their nice like sprinkles of ideas throughout the day, but to apply it as just a way to fix a bad mood is probably pretty infuriating because, um, it's not just, it's not an easy thing. And at the same time, sometimes you don't need to choose happiness. Sometimes you need to sit in the shit and, uh, choosing happiness is great and all. I mean, I, it's nice to have a positive spin on things sometimes, but sometimes you have to really, like just be pissed off. And I, um, I often just get annoyed by positivity sometimes as much as I'm like a positive person. (laughs) It's like, you don't want to ignore that. Like we are well-rounded people that have all the feelings and we're humans and that's what we're supposed to do. So. I like that sprinkle little positivity Uh on everybody. Yeah. Get that shit off me. Like this is my mood. This is my bad mood. I'm going to get all the mileage I can out of it. I've earned it. You have to, you've got to, you've got to, you know what? Okay. I'm quoting Brene Brown because I'm like super into her her books, but she talks so much about if you dismiss negativity by too, by being too positive, you can actually be someone who is not trusted because by being too much of a quote unquote Pollyanna, you're ignoring problems that really need to be talked about, whether it be bad moods, whether it be issues in a relationship, whether it be issues at work. If you're ignoring that and trying to put too much of a positive spin on things, like it's going to work out, it's going to be fine. You actually develop distrust with people because they're like, they're not going to listen to what I have to say. They're going to just try to put some sprinkle happiness on it, some positive Instagram quote on it. And I think that's pretty profound. 
I like her because the, her whole deal about um, um, not, not telling people how to feel, especially kids. You know, the kid falls down, get up, you're not hurt. Well, I'm, 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 I feel hurt. You know, you get to feel however you want to feel. You know, I've tried to use that on my daughter, and it just sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. You know, I'm like, I get it, you feel that way, but we really got to go. Like, if you could just work through it, maybe in motion, maybe if this is while we're walking, we could work through it. Yeah, I've I've had a lot of. I hear that you're upset, but it we like just got to do stuff we don't want to do. <laughs> yeah, when you apply it to, to like. When people whose frontal lobes aren't fully developed, I think it's a, maybe a slightly different piece of advice. Yeah. Yeah. So I think the teenage years and the toddler years are, are somewhat similar in that regard where you're like, all right, there's a lot of emotions going on here and the filter is just not kicking in. So my daughter's 12 and, um, that has been interesting. It's, I don't know how to do that. I try real hard. Even all the stuff, you know, that I try to read and do and preach. And you, you talk about the whole thing about, like, people thinking therapists can fix themselves. I give great advice, I think. I just can't take it for shit because I'll be on the phone with one of my buddies telling him some just what I think is profound and it's probably stolen from somebody. And then I'll get off the phone, talk to my daughter and do the exact opposite of what I just told him to do because they just fire off that um, – just that reaction. I mean, the, the, every single heartstring is like just there exposed. And oh I'm, yeah. You're too close to it. You're way too close to it. Like we can give advice all day long to people that we don't have that tie to like, this is your flesh and blood. It's not the same. Yeah. You're going to have that. Your completely different reaction. How can you not? <laughs> what was it? He sticks his hand in the monster hole, the scary hole. What was it? The prairie hole? <laughs> the fairy dog. The fairy dog. And, and if you put things in his home, then he'll bite you. And then I figured out he was talking about prairie dogs. Yeah. The, all the way home. Okay, mom, at school, there's a fairy dog and you can't put things in his home. Okay. Because they'll bite you. Okay, Miles. Okay. No. So, but, but you can come back to school with me and we can go look at the fairy dogs, but we just can't put things in their hole. So they're thinking like, what are in their home? What on earth is he talking about? He goes to a very crunchy preschool. So I was like, fairy dog. Sure. If that's a thing prairie dogs <laughs> but yeah a lot of like that you know the the uh difficult just difficulty managing you know emotions and reactions and fall down and especially with like we were out visiting my grandparents who are you know my grandfather's in his 90s and miles fell down and i went over and i was like are you okay are you okay and my grandpa who is wonderful and for his age very progressive thinking was like he's a boy he's got to learn how to just get back up and I was like, no, <laughs> no, no, no. And even like, I've talked about this on our podcast before. Miles loves pink. He loves flowers. He just thinks they're beautiful. And you know, flowers are beautiful. It's not his, like, he doesn't know any better that quote unquote, you know, flowers are for girls. Why I, is that even a thing? I and buy flowers every week. They're great. And so he has his sun hat, his favorite pants, every, pink flowers, everything. And at first I was really resistant to it. I was like, are you sure you don't want the green one? And then I caught myself. I was like, why do I care? He's three years old. Like, you know, he has the rest of his life to worry about what other people are thinking of him. I can just, I should just let him get the pink flower hat. But I was surprised in that moment of like that. I had that reaction that I immediately, my instinct was to be like, really? You don't want the dinosaur one? 
it looks like, all badass and like ah. yeah dinosaur and he's like no flowers are beautiful i'm like you're right flowers are beautiful they are beautiful. let's go with that but and i i think i like to your point i think if i someone else told me that about their kid i'd be like let him buy the flowers but like in the moment when i'm in, in there i'm like i don't want this, i don't want him to get made fun of like he's that's the thing yeah. right what's the balance kids are bastards two other they kids are. they are emotional terrorists that's yeah, probably that, not real healthy to say, but it's my opinion. I mean, especially te- tween girls. Gosh, I cannot. I literally can't yeah. imagine. And it's never going to go away. That's how just going to happen. That? It's going to happen. It's how they figure it out. Were y'all mean girls? It's just. Were y'all sweet girls? No, I was not a mean girl at all. I went to a high school that was super, super uh, just kind of everyone. It was. I went to an unusual high school experience. So I went to a place where. I think the typical high school experience was like all the cool kids like partied and, you know, were kind of rebels in the cool way. Um, That was the complete opposite for my high school. Like everyone was super nice. And then like the small, uh, it was kind of like clueless where like all the losers hang out on the grassy knoll, like the, and do drugs or whatever. Like we had a very, I don't want to say conservative, but just like conservative, conservative as far as like no one did drugs. And if you did drugs, you were like the losers. Um, but I, I'm not saying like that was like the cool kids, but normally that's like the high school experience. It's like everyone's out partying and it's like a social, I don't know, microcosm of the world. But um, so everyone was like super nice to each other. And we didn't really have the mean girl mentality. It was it's very odd because whenever people tell me about their high school experience, I'm like, I feel like I had the complete opposite like I had a good high school experience. That sounds pleasant. Yeah. Was it pleasant? Pretty Bill? uneventful. It wasn't. It was. It was uneventful. As far as high school goes. Yeah, I had a great. But I also didn't have social media. Oh yeah. my god! I literally cannot imagine going through high school with social media. Abby doesn't have it. She doesn't have a phone. She doesn't have social media, and she doesn't have access to the internet without the eagle eyes on her. But is Good she for asking for it constantly? Oh yeah. Uh-huh. Well, she it's it's been taken away from her. Oh, so she has it, but she doesn't have access to it. Well, she doesn't have she doesn't have Instagram. She doesn't have any social media. Never has. Okay, but yeah. she has a phone. She does not. She doesn't have does not have a phone. That's why she doesn't. Have okay, access. she had a phone, and then um, she, something happened, and she lost the things happened. And to be fair, <laughs> she is my child, so I was like, well. You know, if I would have had a phone when I was your age, I'd have never left the bathroom. I yep. mean, it's just, yeah. It kids have it way, it's way too easy for kids to find things now. I mean, that's uh, everybody. Oh yeah. that, absolutely. That's not a profound statement. Oh we all know that. Nope. Yeah, absolutely. But, but once they find it, man, and it lights up those Christmas lights, you know, you cannot unsee that shit. And then it's that constant, yeah. if they're already wired for that, you know, it's just that constant mm-hmm. search. And that, yeah. and that terrifies me. And then also the way um, kids speak to each other. It just, yeah. I, I just want to protect her from that from as long as possible. How old is she? She's 12. Okay. So how, what is this? I'm just, I'm asking because I know how this all goes. How, what is her social group uh, doing right now? Like, it's, do they have social media? Oh, yeah. Do they all have phones? Is she the outcast with no phone? Yeah. Okay. Careful. (laughs) If I may, um, only because it's going to happen eventually. So it's, it's like, I would, and I'd be curious to see kind of what happens in a year, but eventually kids are so freaking smart. They're going to find a way. She'll find a way. 
So it's better to have the conversation now, if I may, uh, of how to use social media appropriately. But maybe you've already done that. We do. We do speak about that. And she's like, mm, I'm not going to listen to what you say. But I totally agree with you, too, because it's you cannot control it. Like even 10 years ago, you were able to put more filters. And now it's just kind of like, oh, and 12 is pretty young. But I'm just saying, I think it's something that eventually kids will like see and get a hold of. And then they'll start doing it behind, their, behind your back. So the other day. Not to, not to scare you. No, I'm. I'm <laughs> the other day. I mean, she's and you know. She's already trying so hard to be um, sexy, you know, and it, it's, it's, uh, I'm just, no girl, you're not wearing that. She can't wear makeup yet. There's, there, but, you know, these were things that she could have done at certain points, but then she lost the right to it because of behavior or choices that she made. So there were big choices so that she had to have big consequences. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, so now, how does she respond to that? How does she respond to your consequences? Um, it varies. You know, okay. I could take away everything from her, and she's just like, she'll just adapt. Okay, that's good. That's actually a good thing. She doesn't like fight you on it too much. No, I mean there was a couple of things like she was really excited about getting to wear makeup when she turned twelve. Oh. Big yeah. deal. Big. That's deal. a big deal. I I remember I was in eighth grade. It was Valentine's Day. I remember the day my mom bought me my own makeup. Mm-hmm. It was a huge day for me. So she's she's got her own makeup that her mom bought her to practice yeah. and get started yeah. and do the thing wear around the house. Huge deal. Yeah. And she had to wait till she was twelve. She was two months away, and then she just couldn't wait and and snuck it out and I guess was wearing it at church when she was with her yeah. mom, and her mom caught her, big blow up, and so. I said, all right, you don't get to wear it until you're 13. And that was yeah. a big reaction. That was a big yeah. night. Mm-hmm. Big thing. Mm-hmm. I kind of want to wear I don't want to wear makeup to this day. Yeah. I like, two, two I, days I mean, I, like, I can kind of I can kind of see it from like a privilege standpoint. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe I had not, I had really, really my parents were not strict at all. Because, well, they were strict, but not with me. They were strict with my brothers because my brothers were all in rehab by the time they were 15. And I was pretty much the only one who didn't have a substance abuse problem starting in junior high. And so, yeah. So they were like, you know what? You, you do whatever you got to do yeah. because your brothers got arrested. <laughs> and so I think because I like had no, I had no rules. I did never have the need to rebel against them. Yeah. And yeah, but it, but it can backfire because the other, like I was saying, the other, all the other kids in my family who also had no rules just ran with it. And I was like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go to church. I'm going to join choir. I'm going to be in student council. And I don't know why. Maybe I was like, I don't know. Going to hook up with Jesus instead of the boys. Yes. It's the way to do it. Pretty much. It's the way to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my goodness. I think my parents like didn't believe me at first. So they're like, where are you going? I was like, I have youth group. And they were like, no, where are you going? Was this, <laughs> is this some hip hop club? Yeah, exactly. Is that what the kids are calling it these days? Are they smoking the reefers? <laughs> oh no, I'm from Boulder. Pot has been on the table forever. Just not even an issue. <laughs> oh my goodness. I took Abby to her first concert the other night and she, um, she got to smell weed for the first time. And she, 
kind of turned her nose up, but she didn't look shocked. And I was like, huh. I didn't say anything about it because it was a big puff that came over us and I was kind of <laughs> trying to blow it away. But I mean, there's just not much you can do. It was a good venue though. I mean, it wasn't a lot of it, but she got, uh, she got the full experience at her first concert. Have you seen, there's like some Instagram videos every once in a while that I see where it's like the moment your mom realizes this isn't your first shot. And it's like, you know, the kid at their 21st birthday in the house or whatever. And they're just pounding shots. The mom's in the background, like, <gasps> like <laughs> with this shocked look at their face. They're like taking a beer bong or something. And their mom's like, yeah, I feel like that would be the experience. So with Abby, I don't like, I don't want to um, like Lord over her or however you want to say it and just keep her in a bubble. Like, I, I don't, I don't subscribe to the, like, I, I don't want her to wait till marriage to get, to have sex. I don't want her to, you know, I don't want her to sign up for that commitment without knowing what she's getting into. I want her to wait till college, you know, like maybe if you could just wait till you got out of high school, that would be super great. You know, I, and there's certain things that I want her to experience, but like you said, that's a fine line. Like, how do you give them that freedom, but they don't, you know, get pregnant their sophomore year and end up wrapping a car around a telephone pole because they were drunk and driving, you know? Yeah. So that's the scariest part. Yeah. It's the scariest part. Cause you can't control any of that. How was, I mean, you can give them a good foundation, but you cannot control any of that. And that's the scariest, 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 scariest part. Yeah. Just spread your wings, little bird. Oh, not that far. Come back. No. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Come back. Come back. Just yeah. a little bit. Yeah. So you do your darndest to just build that foundation. How are your parents, Joy? My parents were really are, they are really great. Um, they were kind of like Claire's parents where they just didn't really give us many rules. Um, and they were not strict at all. Like, I don't remember ever being grounded. I don't ever remember being in trouble. Um, if I did get in trouble, it was like a talking to, and then we moved on. But I, I remember once as a little tiny kid, maybe seven or eight, when I heard about all these other kids getting grounded, I asked my mom if she would ground me because I felt like I needed to know what that felt like. <laughs> How was it? Yeah. And um, she never grounded me. But I think it was also just because I had a twin brother, too. And Claire has a twin brother as well. But like, we were just kind of um, we lived these very parallel intertwined lives where we were always on the right path. We got really good grades. And so my parents kind of saw it as like, they didn't really need to wrangle us in. Um, and it just, it worked out. And I, I kind of believe that the more rules you put on kids, the more they're going to rebel. So I, I don't know, I can't, I'm kind of maybe a walking, uh, example of that because I had zero, we had zero rules. Therefore we wanted to make sure that we took that trust from our parents and held that very, um, we took that as like a big responsibility. Like the, the biggest fear I had was that I was going to disappoint my parents. I would rather die than disappoint my parents. That's how I felt growing up. So on that same, but doesn't I mean, but children like crave structure. Absolutely. And we were structured. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't, but we were not, um, it was, it was probably, um, structure where it was necessary. So it wasn't like, go do whatever you want. We'll see you later. It was, we got our homework done, but if 
things were to take a turn and we didn't get our homework done, then rules will be would be in place. But because we always did it, we never had to have those rules. So it was always kind of, we were kind of this weird anomaly. So there were expectations in place. You always just followed exactly, them. yeah. And my dad was always the things that I remember my dad saying always stick out is never stop going to school, keep going to school, go to school as long as you can. That's I remember that just he kept repeating that. Go to school, never stop going to school. So I did. <laughs> I kept learning. Um, and that was something that I kept in my mind. It was really important to me. Was he an educated man? No, which is why. Because he um, he had a really tough upbringing. Hmm. Uh, it's hard for me to talk about, but he had a really tough upbringing. And so uh, I think he wanted so much better for his kids. And he was just like, "You, this is what you got to do. I don't want you to have a life that I had. Um, so... Yeah, I, I, uh, I mean, he went to a trade school and he, he got, um, a degree. So he became a, a mechanic, a, um, air, aircraft mechanic. So he worked for the airlines all of our lives. And it was, I mean, he fixed all the cars. He was the cool guy in the garage that had all the amazing cars in the garage. And we constantly had, um, I will forever remember my father and still do as the guy who has the awesome garage of just shit everywhere in the garage and everyone hangs out in the garage. So the guys on my car talk feeling right. Yeah. Now. Oh yeah. Like the guys on car talk, those are, those guys are like my father. Um, he can fix a, um, you know, he can take something broken out of like toothpicks and build it into the Taj Mahal. He's just very talented and, um, you know, people would always just come and hang out in the garage. So I have such fond memories growing up, growing up of like, that's all we did. I could guarantee walking into the garage, there was like 10 guys in our garage just hanging out, drinking beer and talking about motors. <laughs> and it was great. It was so great. And such good memories. That's awesome. And, you know, like, um, because I dropped out of school, I have an eighth grade education. I had to drop out of school mm -hmm. at, at that. There was just some issues going on my first run at being a freshman. And so it was best that I left. And, um, and then I went to school or I, I just learned to trade. I went to work. <clears throat> so I can, I can relate to that completely because I'm not, that's something that I've struggled with is not being like an, like an educated person as far as, um, if you want to talk about politics and things like that, I'm just like, whatever. It's just, it doesn't interest me because I don't want to, I don't want to argue about it. But if you, mm -hmm. but, but taking something out of nothing and, and, and making it work or fixing things or how mechanical things work. I mean, that's my jam. I do that all the time. That's how I fall yeah, asleep. I mean, you're, you're educated and you're, you just don't have that formal education, which is just, it doesn't matter. You're educated in a way that makes you happy. And I think a lot of people put that pressure on, on kids, especially to go get a advanced degree. And maybe that's not where their passion lies. Maybe that's not where their life is going to take them. And that's okay. And I know plenty of people with advanced degrees who still can't speak in an educated way about pretty much anything. Or pay off and those they, degrees. Amen. Uh, or, you know, pay off anything. Yeah. Or they're struggling to get a job because they're like, well, I have a master's in U.S. history. Like, cool. <laughs> I bet that was really interesting. I mean, truly, I bet that was really interesting when you were studying it and you found it very fulfilling and stimulating. And now what? And I remember, Ryan, even you were telling me a story. I forget the last time we talked where you were like, I, my first couple, several jobs, they would explain to me what they wanted to do. And I'd go sit outside and get on YouTube and look up how to do it. 
<laughs> when I started my company, yeah. Yeah, and he'd be like, hey, great, I just got to go back to the truck and get something. And then you'd go in the truck and just spend got, an hour on YouTube. Just got to go find some uh, fasteners for the thing. <laughs> right. But I was, and that is scrappy. And that's amazing. Like, I love scrappiness. I was, well, thank you. I was, um, you, you know, that was, so that was right when I got sober because Abby was really young and um, I was unemployable pretty much. And so I, I just had to go out and figure out a way to make money. Because while I lost a job for, you know, calling in drunk too many times and or not calling in at all or disappearing with the company truck, things like that. And, you know, and so I just started my own deal and then I just never quit. And that was, you know, 12 years ago. And so I would show up on these jobs with this this old Jeep Cherokee that I had to buy on payments. And it was like a twelve hundred dollar Jeep Cherokee and it had a broom handle to hold the hatch up. And I mean, it was chaos. Like it was always just a, just a shit show, but I mean, I made it work and still my life can be a shit show from time to time, but it's just now I've got shinier shit and it's just, I've gotten a little better at it. But the, that's one thing that I want to teach Abby is just, it doesn't matter. Just don't ever get out of the fight. Like, just keep going. It doesn't matter what they think of you. It doesn't matter what, you know, and a lot of times it doesn't even, it matters, but don't listen to what you think of you. Just keep going. Because if I listen to myself talk, oh shit, I'd never get out of bed. Oh yeah. None of us would. Now, is she interested in things? Does she have passions already? No, there's, there's, she needs to get some, or if she does go full bore on that. So I've, I, I don't know. Do you remember being 12, Joy? Like, I, what was, where were you interested? I was in just oh, like boy bands. I don't think no, like I had I any like loved, real life. Like, I wanted to be, I was in dance and cheer and I just wanted all of that. Like, that's what I was into. That was my life. She really wants to that be in cheer. Life. And Great. so I'm going to put her in cheer. I Great. just, I want her awesome. to be in anything. And I tell her that, you know, it's like, yeah. hey, pick something. I don't give a shit what it is. Let's just, just do just, it. Let's yeah. just do it. Go full bore. That's what you have to do. Yep. That will save her. Not that she needs saving, but I'm just saying any concerns that you have, like that will help tremendously. Yeah. And she's a, um, you know, you talk about how y'all always met the expectations and that, and that she's, she operates at a pretty high frequency. I mean, she's all over the place and she wants to do everything herself and she doesn't want help. And I'm like, that is so hard, but you know, she'll figure it out. And I'm just running behind her, like just trying to mitigate the damage. Don't fall. Okay, now you can fall, hurry up and get back up, that type of thing. So y'all both had strong dads in your life. And do y'all see that that how the influence of that has shaped you? Do y'all um on the day to day, do you do you often like look back and think of dads that things that your dad had told you? And does it help all the time? All the time. What's something yeah. that um I was looking at Claire because I was like, I, I feel like she was about to say something. <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, I don't, I'll, I'll, I'll go after Joy. Okay. So, yeah, I mean, I've said before that my dad constantly pushed education, but I knew he feels bad that he worked a lot because being in, you know, working for the airport and the airlines, he had crazy schedules. The airports never closed. So um, I think there were a lot of times in our lives where he felt like he missed out on things, but because he was such a str- he is, I, he's still alive. Um, thankfully, uh, 
he is such a strong presence and was such a strong presence as when we were kids that I never felt like he was absent. And I think that's really important is I see my brother struggle with that. My brother's an officer in the military and he constantly talks about how um, much he struggles and sometimes, you know, back in the day when he would be deployed more often, he would feel like, oh, I'm just not there. And I would remind him, like, remember when dad was gone a lot, but we never felt like he was absent. That's, it's completely different. You physically can be gone, but your presence is very strong. And that's what I remember about my dad. Um, when I was growing up, he just, he was a very hard worker, but he, and I just loved how creative he was, but he always just gave advice. Like he just, he he's, he's an East coast guy. He doesn't, put up with bullshit. He would always tell us like if we were complaining about something with our friends, he'd be like, don't, don't buy into that crap. You're better than that. Like don't feed into stupid drama. Um, he'd call it brain time. Like don't waste your brain time on these people. If I was like worried about someone, you know, the high school drama as a kid. Um, and you know, I could sense a lot of protection with him. He's very, he's so sensitive about us obviously, but he was also very protective. Um, one of my favorite stories when I was a teenager is when I went on my first date and um, the guy was older than me. So he drove and I think I was 15, 15 or 16. And the guy was going to pick me up in his car. And my dad's like, make sure he come when he comes to the door, I meet him. And I was like, well, dad, what if he honks? You ain't going. Exactly. Well, dad, what if he honks? He's like, then you're not going. And I was like, okay. Cause I was so embarrassed of like, what if he just honks and I can run out? Like I was trying to like have an out. He's like, then you're not going. But you know, those moments where he's, he was kind of like this quiet stoic man. Um, didn't say a lot, but he, you can like, his heart is like as big as Texas. He just, he loves so much. I love that though. It's like, you're not going. <laughs> You're not going. And the guy did come to the door, thankfully, because I had a great first date. and We had so much fun. I got really uncomfortable as you were telling that story. Like, you better came to the door. Don't honk. Don't honk. You know, and that whole deal, like, um, you know, people will say, oh, you know, that whole thing about uh, I'm going to be cleaning my guns whenever she comes, whenever they come to pick her up. Or you know, that's the Texas thing or whatever, the macho, macho thing to scare the kid. I'm not going to mess with the kid. My job is to be the type of dad and the type of man and treat my wife in such a way that she won't take any bullshit from some punk ass 16 year old, you know? Yeah, if, exactly. If, if he honks, then she just yeah goes back. You're not and, going. Yeah, yeah. You don't, t- you don't put up with that. Like that's, that's disrespect. I mean, I didn't know that as a kid, but of course, looking back, I'm like, <laughs> it felt good. It felt good when he said that like, looking back, I was like, oh, he's being protective. Like he, this is how it's supposed to be. Um, and I even remember, I have like vivid memories. I can even remember the chair color of our chairs in our living room. When I came home from that date of them, my brother and my dad sitting in those living room chairs, uh, waiting for me to get home. And it was late and they don't sit up late at night in those living room chairs. Like that's not some place that they just hang out and they're both sitting, <laughs> my brother and my dad were sitting there waiting for me to get home. It was so funny. <laughs> Did you just duck your head and go upstairs? No, I think I, I, pro- I mean, probably, I probably did a little bit, but I was kind of like, Hey guys, what are you doing? <laughs> Just hanging out. You can go to bed now. Okay. <laughs> yeah. What about you? How was yours? I looked My over this way. Date? Yeah. Your first date. Oh gosh. I don't even remember. I didn't have like a first like date like that. I probably went to the mall with some friends and like the boy that I liked was there was my first date. 
But my dad, I don't have any like one-liners or like moments. So from my, like my dad is a very, um, I don't even know how to describe him. He's like, he's John Hay. Like he just, that's, I'm his daughter. I call him by his full name. Like, (laughs) but, but not because he's like strict or he's so, um, so my dad was raised by a former Navy air force. I think a Navy pilot who was nicknamed the Hawk. That's badass. It's badass. Cause the guy was an asshole Aww. and he cool name, beat though. my dad. Cool name. Had a Hawk, uh, hood ornament. <laughs> and he, and my dad was, my dad was the oldest of six. And so he beat my dad and didn't ever touch any of the rest of the kids. Just my dad. And my dad has never touched me ever. He has never raised his hand at me. He has yelled. I mean, you get yelled at whatever, but, and he, my, um, grandfather and a lot of, it was a like raging alcoholic Two or my, one of my dad's brothers died of liver cirrhosis. Two of his other sisters are raging alcoholics. Like, so my dad just getting by at a very functional baseline and then, uh, then going on, not only to that, but he was a very successful entrepreneur and was sort of like the unofficial male mayor of Boulder for a long time. <laughs> I, um, have, as an adult have learned, have like really respected that, you know, he really broke the cycle, but within that he was never like the kind of like, here, sit down, I'm going to give you some advice type of guy. And my dad's married to his fifth wife. So he divorced my mom when I was nine divorced my first stepmom when I was 17 and then got remarried. What? Maybe four years ago, five years ago, joy. I'm asking joy. Like she knows <laughs> it was when I was right before I got pregnant with miles anyway. And so there also wasn't like the model of like, Oh, you know, my, this is how men treat women. Like, this is how I should be treated. Cause everyone just kept getting divorced. <laughs> and so, and my mom's married to her third husband too. So, um, yeah, I think like even back, I was thinking about this and you said kids crave structure. I think that's why I joined like church and choir and student council because I didn't, my home life was really messy. And so instead I was like, I need, I need someone to expect something of me. So I'm going to go join choir where, you know, all the kids are held to this really high standard. I'm going to go join youth group where I had these Bible study leaders who are going to check in on me every week. And so like, I really went out of my way to get that from other places. But I mean, like I really respect my dad and I don't want him, you know, to like ever be mad at me or, you know, I don't want him to be disappointed in me and his opinion is important to me. And, um, but growing up, he just kind of was like, didn't, it wasn't a big presence in my life. That family of origin shit, man, that's, uh, right. It's messed up. You know, breaking that whole cycle, that's the whole reason that I started doing this was because um, my reactions to my daughter on the littlest things. You know, I want so badly to be this sweet, loving, patient teddy bear. That's that's just what I want. And and I'm I'm the complete opposite of that by default. And so I have to really work on constantly doing things to make me more cuddly more or less prickly, I guess would be the best way to say it, you know? Um, and, and I think, uh, 
I noticed it whenever Abby would do something like she'd fall down. I remember this one time she's in Home Depot and she ran right into a, like a, a, a shelf because she's ADHD and all over the place. And she's just a, she's a, she's a high strung kid. I love her. I mean, she, her, her colors burn so bright and she's so majestic. And I, I mean, she's just a prism of love and, and kindness and, and the way that she treats animals and, and adults and younger kids. I mean, it's just, it makes me so proud. But I remember this time that she ran right into this shelf and fell down, right? My child just almost gave herself a concussion. My first reaction was like anger and rage and just disappointment, you know, like she didn't do this shit on purpose. I mean, I run into stuff all the time. And so there would be things like that and it would just eat my lunch for for a week because of that was my reaction to her. You know, I mean, that's my baby girl. That's, that's the one thing that I want to, the one person that I like am the most protective over in my, my world. And, and for me to have those initial reactions was, was really difficult. And so that's what caused me to eventually start going down this path and chipping away and figuring out what it is that causes that default. And, you know, I just hate to see other men struggle with that. And a lot of times it's nothing to do with anything that we did. It's just the way that we were raised or the environment or whatever. Yeah, because that's what you saw growing up. You know, like parenting is where else are we supposed to look like, you know, when you were talking earlier about, well, she's 12. I don't know how to do this. It's like for every single parent out there, this is the first time they've ever dealt with this or whatever it is. I don't care if you have 20 kids, your 20th kid does something, this is the first time you've ever dealt with it because they're a different person than your other 19 kids. And I think, you know, so what do you have to go off of except your own experiences for better or worse? And I see that with like my dad, like I said, like, you know, he wasn't, I don't think about him as like a super strong uh, presence in my past, but he had a very specific style of parenting. And it did involve a lot of sort of um, like he would just kind of blow up. And it, you know, and I, I'm sure where, where did that come from? Right. His own dad, who I'm sure blew up at him all the time. And now I see my older brother do it with his kids and his six-year-old the other day, we were at his birthday party or Thanksgiving and his six-year-old, um, said something to him that was really disrespectful. No reaction. Said it again. No reaction. Said it again. My brother blows up, storms across the room. You don't talk to me like that. And I was like, oh, hey, John. Hey, I didn't see you there. You know, like the, the where did the, you know it? Like it was just bizarre. Or I told this story recently too, Joy, about we were in the the um, airport in Iceland. There's this like six year old little girl, probably like nine year old little boy, and their dad. They had just gotten off the plane. The little boy shoves the little girl. The dad shoves the little boy and goes, "We don't do that." And I was like, "Did anyone else just see that?" <laughs> but I, but like you know, I think to your point, like you know, you don't know, like you know better and then you do better, but it's parenting is just 100% trial and error. Yeah. I I, I knew better. I just didn't do better. (laughs) But in that moment, like that's the first time you've ever experienced that, you know, reaction. And now you can look back and be like, and I'm sure the next time she did it, or, you know, maybe it took five times. Eventually you did get to the point where you could stop yourself and say, I know my, my instinct is to get angry at this, but I recognize it's not her fault. And how can I approach the situation in a less prickly way. And, you know, now, now you, and then like the next time something new happens and you react that way, maybe five times later, but you'll be able to say, all right, how does cuddly Ryan show up? 
cuddly, right? Yeah, take off your cactus hat and put on your teddy bear hat. <laughs> the uh, we were we I picked her up one night and um, we were driving from her mom's to my house and it's all back roads and it's pretty hilly and we were talking about something that was it was it was getting onto the realm of, of ridiculous. Like you can kind of tell when a twelve year old's bullshit. Like I know when my daughter's bullshitting me and she's just filling in the blanks. Just and so I pulled over and and we talked about it and, and right as I pulled over we were watching the sunset and it was right at the crest of a hill and, and I looked at her and I said, um, you know, you suck at being a ten year old and I suck at raising a ten year old, so why don't we just try to figure this out together? And and we both laughed and then and then that's just kind of how we operate with a lot of stuff now. So it's funny that you say that, you know, it's like we, I don't know how to raise a 10 year old girl or she'll do something and I'll just look at her. And I'm like, I, I don't know how to do well, that. And that's a great point too. Cause she doesn't know what she's doing either. I mean, how freaking hard is it to be 12? Holy shit. It sucks. I don't, and, and do that with boobs. I have no idea what that's like. <laughs> the other day she was talking about, you know, cause now the, the, she said somebody showed her a picture of a dick. Uh, you know, because the kids are rolling around with dick pics of their own oh, dick. Oh, God. I'm like, it starts that early? And it looks oh, like a little no. shrimp, you know? And somebody oh, showed. No. So we're having this conversation, and I, and I had her swear to me. You know, we had the conversation about don't you ever let anybody record you or do not allow your body parts on the internet ever, you know? And that was a very interesting conversation to have with her. Um, God, that's just so frightening. But but she's she's just navigating through this world, and I'm just trying to watch it and like help her, you know. And but I I don't know how. All I know how to do is just show up and try not to embarrass her. And showing up's half the battle. Well, um, I really appreciate y'all taking the time. When of I course when I saw we love you, oh, I love y'all. When I saw the little thing, I was like, "Fuck yeah, I'm gonna get them on the deal." <laughs> Well, anytime we yeah. would love to come back and we would, uh, we'll, uh, and you know who else would love to talk to you is Brandon. I would love that. Did his book show up yet? No, I'm really excited for it though. Thank you so much for sending that. He'll, I'm sure he'll, he'll be able to reflect a little bit on this whole having a girl situation coming up. And it's been interesting. Cause I, I think I told you when we were in Costa Rica, like he really wanted a girl. Yeah. And then we had a boy and he was worried about it. Cause he was like, I don't know. You know, I, he doesn't see himself as being manly. And he was like, so I don't think I can, you know, how can I raise a little boy if I'm not manly? And I just kept trying to tell him, like, the world needs more men who aren't concerned with being manly. Yeah, what, exactly. What, what 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 part of not, like, every picture I see of him, he's in the woods. Yeah, he's, I know. Act, Activities-wise, he's very, picks all the masculine activities. But he's very, super, super, super sensitive has like so many emotions, so many feelings, loves talking about things, loves talking about feelings. Um, you know, and to him, yeah, you guys, your, your podcast episode is going to be five hours long. I look forward um, to it. <laughs> but to him, like that's something, you know, that quote unquote manly men don't do is like have a struggle with their own emotions. And we all know that now not to be true, but I think for him, um, he's always really, he has never really identified with like men who he sees as being stereotypically manly. And he feels like he has a hard time standing up for himself and a lot of things like that. And so, um, he was worried about that with miles and he also grew up with two sisters. So he was like, I get the girl thing. Like I get living with girls and I grew up with 
six brothers. So I was like, I don't, I don't get get living with girls. <laughs> don't give me a girl. Um, but yeah, so now we're going to have one each. So it'll be interesting to see. He's like, I'm going to teach you how to hunt and shoot. I'm like, who's going to teach you how to hunt and shoot? You don't hunt, but it'll be, it'll be interesting. I'm really interested to see how he, how he ends up feeling like, you know, a year from now, if he still feels like, yeah, this was, this is more what I'm come out, cut out for. Or if he's like, wait a minute, there's more going on here than I, than I thought. Man, I'll never forget when I found out that we were having a daughter. That was the one doctor's appointment that I didn't make it to. I was in Eastland, Texas working, um, and and I got the phone call, and she told me that we're having a daughter. And I was terrified for, I don't know, five minutes, and then I started thinking about it like, well, that's okay. I mean, it was either it was a 50-50 shot of what we were going to get, and I didn't – I mean, I just assumed like a boy would be easier because I know how to – be a boy, but you know, having a girl was, I mean, I wouldn't want, I wouldn't want any, anything else. Like Abby's asked me that before. She's like, would you have rather had a boy? I was like, no, I, I just want you exactly as you are, you know, because it's been, it's having a little girl is just amazing. And the whole deal about like, I find my, I feel like I'm a masculine guy. I mean, it's just my, my trade, my personality, the things I'm into, but if you want to get into some deep conversations about your childhood or certain tics or just whatever, I'm all for that because that stuff interests me because I feel that there's a connection. Just mindless chit chat about stuff that doesn't matter. I, I just really, it's just not where I want to put my energy. I mean, I'll do it, I guess, to be polite when I really have to, but I can see what he's. Well, yeah, I guess it kind of further reinforces the stereotype that you don't have to be one or the other. You can be a complex being and you don't have to have all the boxes checked to be a quote unquote masculine male. I think as long as you're just happy with who you are and mm-hmm. you're showing up for yourself and for your others, for others, and you're not an asshole, I think that's a win. I would agree with that as a general statement about life. Just don't be a dick. Yeah. Just yeah. Don't be a dick. Just don't be a dick. Problem solved. And don't show other people pictures of your dick either. Let's add that in there. No more dick pics. No more dick pics. No more being a dick. Thank it doesn't. Th- there's no way to take a flattering dick pic. It's because dicks are weird looking. <laughs> they look like sea urchins. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's not get into it. Let's not get into that. <laughs> They're not attractive. It's not. You know. It's not a body part that you look at and you're like, yeah. I just want no. to play with it. So did you? Um, oh my gosh. Are you done with? Are you done with yoga, Joy? Have the stinky guys ran you off? Uh, no, I'm actually uh, probably going to do more this weekend because it's really helping my leg. So I'm like, I'm getting through it. I'm just putting my mat on the other side of the room, like away from everybody. When I heard you talking about that, I was just like, yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's so bad. Well, I went to my first Bikram yoga uh, when I was drinking and eating gas station burritos and and smoking two packs a day, it was horrendous. Did, did you clear the room? No, I, I. Well, it was like a five thirty. It was a red eye class. It was five thirty in the morning, and uh, I got invited by a client. And so I'm in there just and it, and I could smell my sweat, like different parts of my sweat. Just I was like, oh, this is terrible. And I go to yoga now, and sweat that much, but it doesn't smell. At least I don't think it does. It doesn't smell like it did that day. So like when you were, when I heard that story, I was like, oh man, that's rough. Oh yeah. It was real bad. It's real bad, but I've, I'm trying to, you know, work around it. I got like 
essential oils in my nose, <laughs> positioning myself like away from everyone else. And then like the last five minutes of class, I just like breathe through my mouth. <laughs> awesome. Well, <laughs> again, thank you guys so much. Um, and also thank you so much for being the inspiration for me to start my podcast. Oh, Ryan. I mean, after spending time with y'all in uh, Costa Rica and I was just like, man, I want to do that. Yeah. So the community that y'all built yeah. and the uh, way that y'all build up women and each other, I think that's, I think that's awesome. And I love you both. And I have a lot of respect for you. Thank you, Ryan. Thank Likewise. You. We love you. And we're so excited for, about your podcast and yeah. about your community. And thank you for allowing us to be a part of it. Right on. Well, y'all have a good night. You too. too. Say hi to Marty. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Hey, I just wanted to take a minute and ask something of all you wonderful people. Um, if you're enjoying this podcast and you enjoy the show, please leave us reviews. Subscribe on iTunes or Apple Podcast or Spotify or, or whatever it is that you're listening to, whatever platform you use. Please subscribe. Please share us. And please leave us uh, reviews and ratings. Look for us on Twitter at Circle of Dads TM. Check us out on Instagram and Facebook, Circle of Dads Podcast. If you have any questions or comments, please send them to Ryan at Circle of Dads Podcast.com. And the second thing that I'd like to ask you is for help. This is a self-funded show. We don't have any any advertising dollars right now, and so. Any little bit helps to help us cover the monthly expenses of production and, and, and being able to get our show to you. So if you'd like to become a Patreon of this, uh, of this movement, please check us out at patreon.com. We are under Circle of Dads Podcast. We can be found on PayPal, Ryan at Circle of Dads Podcast. Or if you just want to walk up to me on the street and shove some money in my pocket, that's fine too. Just don't do it in the waistband. I think it's a little awkward. And I hope you enjoy the next episode. That was really uncomfortable for me. I don't like asking people for money. We're all growing. <laughs>